Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, brought to you by Morgan Stanley. Today is Thursday, February 11th. Weekly jobless claims are down, the price of Bitcoin keeps going up, and we're focused on the fight for 15. The federal minimum wage is one of the few economic policy issues on which it seems everyone has an opinion. Breaking it down along party lines, Democrats say it's too low, having sat at 7.25 per hour since 2009. Republicans mostly think it's fine where it is and that any increases should come at the state or local levels. Democrats also want to see it increase to $15 per hour as part of the next round of pandemic stimulus, the stuff getting negotiated right now arguing it's desperately needed help for America's most economically vulnerable. Republicans, though, are opposed, saying the increase would hurt many of the very small businesses that have been hammered by lockdowns. Oh, and then there are those in the middle. Axios recently convened a pair of focus groups, voters who swung from Trump in 2016 to Biden in 2020. 13 of the 14 participants said $15 per hour was too high, but also felt that 725 was too low they favored something in the $9 to $12 range. Now, for context, a worker making the federal minimum wage right now, working 40 hours per week with no time off for vacation, would make just around $15,000 a year. That compares to a federal poverty line just shy of $13,000 per year. So the federal minimum wage is higher, but just barely. And that's only if you're a single person without children or other dependents. It's also worth noting that 725 figure, it's applicable in 18 states. The rest all have higher minimum wages, but none up to 15. This issue has become one of Congress's most contentious already, just a few weeks into the session. So we want to break down the economics and the politics with Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon. So, Felix, I was using the Google machine and you wrote about the idea of a $15 federal minimum wage back in 2013. Why do you think, A, it's taken eight years for the debate to go mainstream? And why do you think it's now gone mainstream? I think the answer is that people are really focused on how to help the poorest people in America now than they were eight years ago. The pandemic has really uncovered how unequal our society is. And people are beginning to realize that if you really concentrate on the people at the bottom end of the income spectrum, that's going to have a huge effect on millions of people in a way that a broad economic stimulus of the kind of thing that we were used to after the financial crisis just doesn't. You know, one of the things you wrote in that piece, again, back in 2013, the quote was, if you like massive stimulus, but you don't like the idea of government paying for it, then a higher minimum wage is the program for you. That idea obviously you know, has a lot more resonance right now, given all the stimulus we are getting from the government. Unpack it, though. Explain, from your perspective, how is a higher federal minimum wage an economic stimulus in itself? It's basically redistribution of wealth. It's companies, and big companies are owned by shareholders mostly, or very rich people, and shareholders in general are rich people or richer people paying more of their revenues to labor, which is individuals who don't have any wealth. And by definition, people add on the the minimum wage who need that. So you're taking money from the rich and you're redistributing it to the poor and you're not using any public taxpayer funds to do so. 
Obviously, the Congressional Budget Office got asked a week or so ago by uh, Bernie Sanders to score the current Democratic plan, which is to raise the federal minimum wage to $15, although phase it in over several years. CBO disagreed with you. They say this will cost the federal government money. It also will cost jobs, which we'll get to in a second. But they said that, yes, there would be less spending on social programs, but it gets outweighed by the losses. Do you think CBO is wrong? We're talking right now about a $1.9 trillion stimulus program. We're talking about $1,400 checks. We're talking about $600 a week or $400 a week unemployment benefits, extra unemployment benefits. Like In the context of all of that, the kind of money that we're talking in terms of the cost of the government of a higher minimum wage is a rounding error. So that's actually one of the big differences between now and 2013. In 2013, people cared about the deficit. The job losses that CBO projected, I mean, maybe leave that aside for a minute, but the main Republican Party argument right now is increasing the minimum wage at a time when small businesses have been particularly hard hit by the pandemic. This is the wrong time for this. Yes, it would help people at the bottom on the income level, but it's going to just be an added burden on the businesses who can least afford added burden right now. I think that's true. There's certainly a number of small businesses who have been able to survive only by paying their employees less than $15 an hour. And at some point, this just really does become a genuinely political question, which is, in those kind of situations, how much do you think that those kind of businesses are an important and good part of the economy? And how much do you think that it's just bad that the only way we can make an economy work or employ those people is to pay them you know, less than the living wage. We're talking about this from the federal level. But, you know, you've got state minimum wages, many of which are higher than the federal minimum wage right now. But the $15, that hasn't been passed really anywhere, including in the bluest of blue states. Why has there not been the political will in the Northeast, in California, in the Pacific Northwest to get here? Why is this happening in D.C.? Partly it's because you don't want to raise a state minimum wage if the state next to you doesn't do it at the same time. There is a sort of collective action problem here. I think most of the states you mentioned would be happy for the federal government to raise the minimum wage to $15 and thereby ensure that jobs don't just get sucked out of their state to some other state. Is that a big problem? Because if you think about a lot of jobs that are minimum wage jobs, uh, you know, take the convenience store clerk, right? Well, the convenience store is not going to move across state lines unless it happens to be in the town that's right, you know, a border town. It's not going to, a convenience store is going to move 50 miles to save some money, right? Is it that or is it just lack of local political will? In other words, governors, state senators, et cetera. Yeah, we want to do this, but we don't want to face the blowback from some of our constituents. So let the feds take care of this. That's absolutely a large part of it. And it's definitely worth noting that the overwhelming majority of minimum wage jobs now are service industry jobs, especially in the healthcare sector, those don't move. Those are very geographically based. And what that does mean, by the same token that there's no risk of those jobs moving to a different state, there's also no risk of those jobs moving to a different country. All of the minimum wage jobs that could be outsourced to you know, Guatemala or Vietnam or China were outsourced years ago. So the debate of a couple of decades ago about the minimum wage was basically this is going to give too much of an advantage to manufacturing industry in other countries. That's already happened. That's not a debate anymore.
you wrote again back in 2013 about $15. We're still debating $15, a hard number. It doesn't seem to matter what the, the macroeconomics are or inflation or the price of rent or the price of milk. Let's phase it in over the next three years or something. And you're like, well, three years from 2013 was five years ago. Absolutely. So I guess I should ask, is the goal here already too little? In other words, if you support raising the minimum wage, is the best we can do, which is $15, already not good enough? I definitely think that the minimum wage in general should be inflation adjusted. There's no good reason for the minimum wage to be set in nominal dollars rather than inflation adjusted dollars. And if it had been set in inflation adjusted dollars, depending on when you set that, it would be much, much closer to $15 right now. Why do you think it hasn't been? Because that does seem to make sense under kind of just general fairness and, and, and basic economics. Why do you think it hasn't been adjust inflation adjusted? It's pretty much the same reason why it hasn't been raised is exactly what you're talking about, which is that the people with real political power and the ability to affect legislation tend to be richer employers. And for all that, there's a lot of talk about the beleaguered small business owner in Washington. The fact is that small business owners as a group are quite rich. The other counter argument you hear to raising the federal minimum wage is that the cost of living in New York City is a lot different than in rural Oklahoma or, or you know, et cetera. Why should the minimum wage be the same in those two geographies? Or at least why should the federal minimum be the same in those two geographies? I think in an ideal world, you'd have some kind of highly dynamic federal minimum wage that was calculated by an artificial intelligence and would take into account the size of your family, the neighborhood that you lived in, the rate of inflation, the rate of wage inflation, and probably, you know, the face of the moon. But that's just impractical. And I think that's probably also the reason why people aren't even inflation adjusting. You just want to go for something simple. Final question, Felix. We are in February of 2021. By February of 2022, Will there be a federal minimum wage increase to $15, albeit phased in? So yes, I think, I think my guess is absolutely yes. We won't have a $15 minimum wage this time next year, but we will have a path to it that is enshrined in law. Don't quote me on that one, because like, you know, honestly, I thought it was a good idea in 2013. Well, you are on a podcast, so you are literally being quoted on it. Felix Salmon, Access <laughs> uh, Chief Financial Correspondent, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You might recall that Monday's episode focused on Clubhouse, the buzzy new audio social network. And you might also remember the part of the conversation where I asked Clubhouse investor Katie Stanton if she's worried about competition from legacy platforms, particularly from Facebook, namely because there's never been a good social media idea that Facebook hasn't tried to copy. Then, just a day later, the New York Times broke news that Facebook is indeed developing a Clubhouse clone. The project's internal code name is Fireside, and beyond that, details are pretty scarce. Again, this isn't new for Facebook, but with the notable exception of Instagram Stories, which was basically a ripoff of Snapchat, most of its efforts have gotten lots of media attention and then underwhelmed. For example, take dating, a space that Facebook entered to much fanfare in 2019. One of the innovators in that space, Bumble, went public today at an $8 billion valuation and might open even higher. And as for Tinder, Here's a tweet from its former VP of product, Jeff Morris Jr., after seeing the Clubhouse news. Quote, they tried to build a dating product too. At Tinder, the news hit us hard for a day, and our stock dropped 
We stopped thinking about them and life went on as normal and the stock rebounded big time next earnings. Stay heads down and keep building. You've got this. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great national peppermint patty day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.